This episode of Proper English is brought to you by what we did at the weekend, many idioms to do with gardening, and a new occasional feature. Where on earth does that come from? We're outside on the patio. It's lovely and warm this evening, so we thought we'd record the episode outside. So, what have you been doing this weekend, Dave? Now then, I've been quite busy. The sun's been out. Doing what? Sunbathing? Reading your book? No, I've been out in the garden, doing stuff. But what have you been doing? Well, I've been doing a bit of weeding, pulling up and digging out all the things in the garden Mm -hmm. that we haven't planted to make room for the ones that we have planted. Mm. Because all the weeds have grown up like mad this spring. That's right. The weather here in Portugal has been changeable up until last week. Lots of rain in March and April. So much so, we were beginning to think we weren't going to have a summer this year. But we have this week. Ho ho! We've had quite the heat wave. Up to 34 degrees Celsius sometimes. It's been glorious. This morning, I've been out with my strimmer. You what? My strimmer. Sometimes it's known as a brush cutter. A what? A brush cutter. (laughs) Okay. Let me try and describe it to you. Go on then. At one end, you've got a small petrol engine. Then you've got a long hollow pole, which is called a drive tube. And a little way up the drive tube, you'll find the handles. They're called bike handles because that's kind of what they look like. Oh, yeah, the handlebars of a push bike. Exactly. And at the end of the drive tube is the blade attachment. You can have a few different metal blades. The one that I use is a mulching blade. Is it? Yeah, I looked it up. It's got two sharp-edged prongs and it's good for land clearance. And it breaks the weeds and grasses right down. My Portuguese neighbours favour this one, so I'm following their lead on this. But when it gets hot and dry and the Portuguese countryside becomes susceptible to fire... It's best to swap the metal blades. Which can cause sparks and start a brush fire. And you don't want that. No, that's the last thing you want. You can swap the metal blade for a trimmer unit, which uses plastic line to cut rather than a metal blade. In the dry season, this is much safer. Oh yeah, much safer. You know what? I feel like we've been doing a public information film. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Don't use metal blades in the summer. It's very dangerous. Anyway, that's what I've been doing this weekend. Strimming, cutting massive weeds down to size and mulching them into the ground. What have you been doing, Ali? Well, I'll tell you in a bit, but now it's time for many gardening idioms. Many gardening idioms. We had to look for an appropriate idiom to go with this episode. You know, stuff to do with gardening. And we found loads. Turns out gardens are a rich source of idiomatic expressions like... Everything in the garden is lovely, for instance. What does that mean, then? Well, it means that everything's going well. Try it. How are you today, Ali? Do you know what, Dave? Everything in the garden's lovely at the moment. Well, I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) But if you're trying to deceive or mislead me, I would say you were leading me up or down the garden path. Come on, Dave, did you really spend the weekend strimming or are you leading me up the garden path? It's true, I tell you. The only reason I'd lead you up the garden path would be to show you where to put all the grass cuttings. (laughs) There are all sorts of idioms to do with flowers. Like, for instance, if you refer to someone as a bit of a shrinking violet, 
You mean that they're quite shy or timid. That same person might also be something of a wallflower because they stay at the edge of social events, too timid to join in. And if you try to get that person involved, you could end up being a thorn in the side for them, meaning that you're causing irritation, getting on their nerves. I think that comes from the Bible originally, mm. and I also think it was thorn in the flesh initially. Yeah, you might be right. Oh, and if you're as fresh as a daisy, it means you're feeling great. As opposed to pushing up the daisies, which is the opposite of feeling great, to be honest. Yeah, it's a rather flippant way to say that someone is dead. The implication being that if someone is dead and buried, they're under the daisies pushing them up. Blimey, that's brought the mood down a bit. <sighs> what else did we get up to this weekend? Well, I planted some flower bulbs, some freesias... Agapanthus, Aquilegia and some dahlias. When they bloom later in the year, there'll be a riot of colour in our garden. Pinks and purples and yellows and reds. I'm looking forward to it. At the moment, we've got some gladioli flowering at the side of our house. Tall stacks of big purple and white glads. Lovely. And what else did we do? Oh, we tidied up the shed. We'd been meaning <laughs> to do it for ages. Ah, but first we should explain what a shed is, I guess, because quite a few of my students had no idea what I was talking about when I said we'd tidied up the shed. OK. The shed is a small outbuilding, sometimes called the outhouse, or as my dad called it, the ut. He means the hut, listeners. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the shed is this extra building that some properties have. It's where you keep all your tools, screwdrivers and drills and hammers and screws and nails and glue and maybe paint and paintbrushes and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's also where you keep all your gardening implements, your lawnmower and, of course, your strimmer mm -hmm. and your trowels and forks and secateurs and hatchets and axes and chainsaws and scythes. And this, you see, is why it needed tidying up so much, so much stuff. <laughs> it can also be a bit of a dumping ground for stuff that might come in handy. But never does. <laughs> How many times have you said, I'll keep that in the shed, it might come handy? And it is never used again. Ever. Fair point, I guess. Really, I suppose I'm saying, this should really get thrown out. But I can't bear the thought of it. I'll leave it in the shed as an interim measure. Anyway, we tidied up all the shelves in the shed, got rid of all the cobwebs, of which there were many, <laughs> and some of the biggest spiders I've ever seen were none too pleased. But they can always weave new ones, can't they? Blimey, there was a wolf spider on the wall, nearly as big as Ali's fist. Nearly. <laughs> it had clearly been around for a while. It only had six of its original eight legs. Definitely a spider I wouldn't want to mess with. <laughs> so now, <laughs> despite the huge spiders, the shed is all tidy and the floor has been swept and we got rid of all the rubbish that had been accumulated in there. Bliss. And now it's time for a brand new feature which we like to call, Where on Earth Does That Come From? Where on Earth Does That Come From? Have you ever wondered about the origins of some English words? Sometimes you can tell pretty much straight away that a word has Latin roots. Rapid, for instance, from rapidus, meaning swift. 
and others are Germanic. Like Haus, which is pronounced the same in German and English, but spelt differently. But some words you just think, where, where on earth, earth did, did that come from? This first one came up in conversation with my lovely student Lena in Switzerland. Bogus. Where on earth does that come from? Now it sounds like it could be Latin. But it's not. I know it's not, but it does sound Latin. Mm. It actually refers to a counterfeiting machine from 18th century America. A counterfeit coin-making machine, actually. The crooks making the coins called the machine a bogus. No one knows why. And then the coins became known as bogus coins, and eventually... Bogus became used to describe anything that was not genuine. So there you go. And here we are at the end of another episode of Proper English. As always, we hope you've had fun listening in on our conversation. And whether you're a new listener or a regular subscriber, why not get in touch with us? You know you can email us at properenglish or one word at sapo.pt or you can ask us questions on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook if you have them in your country. And don't forget to tell everyone you know about us, friends, family, anyone who's studying or learning English. And make sure you like this episode and leave us a nice review and subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app. So, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper English. English. What have I done now? <laughs>